Join Ian Garnick as we uncover the hidden marketing stories that shape our world, reveal the latest marketing tactics that will shape your future, and the amazing people that grow organizations, movements, and businesses. Learn to grow your business and shape the world around you. Welcome to the Garlic Marketing Show with Ian Garlic. And yes, it's Ian, not Ian. That's marketing too. All right, continuing our sales extravaganza on the Garlic Marketing Show, we're going to talk about selling without selling out with the author of Selling Without Selling Out, Andy Paul. Andy, thanks for being on. And we're going to talk about so many amazing things. The differences in types of salesperson, the real metric sales manager should use, the biggest problems people have with a salesperson, the thing that a buyer really wants from a salesperson, how to review your salesperson's funnel, the steps when your sales are stuck, how the number one thing you can determine to what type of salesperson you need, and the six questions you need to trigger a great response from your potential buyer. All this coming up, but before we get started, this is brought to you by videocasestory.com. One of the best ways to get to know your customers is through interviewing them, as we've talked about, and also creating amazing customer stories. Go to videocasestory.com to learn more about how we can help you to collect and craft those customer stories. All right, let's get started. All right, I'm back with the Garlic Marketing Show. I'm Garlic here, and I've got a longtime guest, Andy Paul. Andy, th we're going to talk about selling. Andy, thanks for being back on the Garlic Marketing Show. Thanks for having me. And uh, we are going to talk about selling without selling out. Because I think I think most people think of sales as st still to this day as a dirty word, don't they? Many people do, yeah. And sometimes unfairly, sometimes not. So some degree, the reputation that salespeople have is deserved. Not always. I mean, there's a certain perception of salespeople that's built up in popular culture, movies, TV shows, books, and so on that, you know, sort of just there. And yeah, I was talking to a professor who teaches sales at a university and uh, actually a woman who runs the sales program at Kansas State University down, Don Dieter Schmelz. And she talks about when she teaches her introduction to professional selling. These are to 18 year olds, 19 year olds that have no exposure to sales and they do role plays. Yeah, they all act super salesy. <laughs> you know, just sort of like default in the so so yeah, so some of that comes with the culture, but some like I said it's reputation, it's well earned and the book is yeah, part of an effort to enable sellers to say, Look, I don't have to act that way. And in fact if I don't, I can be more effective. I, I agree completely. I and I think I had a lot of success at sales early on. And I grew up and my dad was a really, really good salesperson. And what I did was pretty much the opposite of what he told me to do. <laughs> Just, you know, carrying. And yet it worked for both of you. Yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly. Well, I think there was a different time, right? And a different place. And so. Well, I was going to say, I mean, yeah, different time and place. But I think that one of the real lessons of my book is that if there's. 5 million salespeople in the world, there are 5 million unique ways of selling. And the objective for you as an individual is not to mimic other people and try to become a clone of someone else, but to become the best version of yourself. Interesting. Interesting. And so what do you feel, you know, if, if you're going to do that, what, what are the things that people have to unlearn? What are some of the habits that, th that they're doing wrong in sales? 
Well, I think it really starts with perspective of what your job is. So for most salespeople, if you ask them what their job is in sales, they would give you some version as an answer, some version of my job is to persuade somebody to buy my product. And that's just completely wrong. That's not your job. And when you think your job is driven by persuasion, then you don't really care what's important to the buyer, right? The buyer may have, well, I have these specific needs. Well, I, yeah, I don't really care because I'm not here to persuade you to buy my product. It's all about me and what I want. I'm putting my interest ahead of yours. So that's my job. And yeah, so when sellers think that's their job, that to persuade somebody at all costs to buy their product, whether they're fit for it or not, then sure, they engage in what I call in the book salesy behaviors, the ones that make uh, everyone cringe. We've, we all know what those are. Pushy, persuasive, sleazy, unethical, untrustworthy type behavior. The contrast to that, as I can describe in my book, is what I call selling in, contrast to selling out. And that's your job is that when you're selling in, it's really very simple. As a salesperson, your job is to listen to your buyer, understand the things that are most important to them, terms of the challenges they face and the outcomes they want to achieve and then help them get that so listen understand what's most important help them get that as opposed to persuade to buy my product <coughs> excuse me so just that mindset sets you off two different paths one where the buyer feels like you are there to help them and and you can give enable yourself to build some trust and credibility with them the other where they've got their defenses up the whole time But in that case, you know, we all have numbers and metrics, you know, and qualification and disqualification and all of these things. How do you, as a salesperson, if you're going to help every single person, make sure you're still hitting those numbers and, and getting quota and, and doing what's best for the company? Well, I mean, you're not going to try to you're not gonna actually help every person, right? As you said, you're going to have to disqualify some. Sales, sales is at heart a numbers game to some degree. We all have ratios that exist in terms of based on our own, our own brand that we put out there to, to buyers is you know, how many contacts do we have to make to yield a conversation, to yield a meeting, blah, 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 blah. We all know what those are. I mean, if you don't, eh, but it's been that way forever, right? Everybody knew what their, their ratios were. But the main point is that Yours doesn't have to be the same as everybody else's, right? You've got your own. And the way you operate is unique to you. So right now, what sort of happens in, let's say, the software world is everybody's got a have these rigid set of metrics they all need to follow to hit a target, which very few are. And instead of saying, look, I'm going to try, I, as a manager, I'm going to do my best to help you become you know the best version of yourself that you know that you're willing to make the investment to learn to grow and to experiment try new things and acknowledge that your path may be a little different than the next person's and maybe you don't need to make as many calls maybe you don't need to make as many proposals maybe you're much more effective in the way you present that's fine so my job should be to support you while you're doing that as opposed to insisting that you comply to a process and a set of kpis that we've laid out which 
is that in the vast majority of companies, no one's hitting anyway. So why does anybody think those are a good idea? I mean, come up with metrics that people can achieve. When you have metrics that people can achieve, even if they're little stretch goals, Okay, I build confidence. Yeah, I love that. I I think that's important. And, you know, it, it's I forget I was talking to someone else about that, and we think of a salesperson as a salesperson as a salesperson. And you're right; it's it's everyone has a different way of selling. And so, if you have a different way of selling, those metrics should be different. So, how am I going about determining? Like, if I'm a business owner, I'm, I need to go out and sell. How do I determine how I sell? Well, that's, <clears throat> that's a great question. And so right now, the way you do that is go ask somebody, right? Go ask your customers, the people that bought from you or the people that didn't buy from you. Find out what you did well, what they appreciated, how you helped them, what they didn't find helpful. And they'll tell you if you're sincere about asking. And people will spend a few minutes to give you feedback on how you did. And that's what you have to do. You have to experiment and then ask for feedback. Yeah, it frustrates me when I talk to sales leaders and I'll, they're saying, oh, we're going to you know, go hire a bunch of salespeople. I say, oh, great. What are you looking for? And they give me this list of attributes they're looking for. I say, okay, good. Let me ask you. Did you ever talk to your buyers about whether they need those salespeople to be that way with those attributes? I mean, look at how many people hire, hire somebody to be a hunter, right? And we need a hunter. Well, Sure, just ask the buyer, do they need a hunter? Or the one that really kills me is, you're going to need to go hire some closers. It's like, really? Talk to the buyers. What do they need? Do they need a closer? No, they don't need a closer. They need, they need well, you find out what they need, right? Most buyers that I know, what they're looking for is curious, open-minded problem solvers. I love that. I love that. And it's funny because... You know, I, you know, we we concentrate on uh, like video case stories, and I get to some. And on the flip side, on the marketing side, the same thing happens. Where you know, I'm like, well, everyone goes into this room, and they probably do the same thing as salespeople. Like, oh, we need closers, or this is our positioning statement. They go into this closed room where there's four people that have never purchased the product; they've only sold it, and they're not. I'm like. Do you think to ask the people who are using your service, using your product about what's different about you and what, what they like and don't like, they're like, <gasps> and, th and then their immediate reaction then, right? It's just to send out a survey. But you, are you saying to send out a survey or get on, get on the phone with someone? Well, if you're going to do a survey, I, yeah, I think a long survey is probably not the good idea, but why not something like sort of a net promoter score? Two questions, right? It's uh, three questions. Keep it, keep it short, keep it simple. And maybe you vary them over time, but ask the people who are the recipients of what you're doing, what their perception of you is. And I like people to, I like sellers to think about it as their brand, right? What's the brand of me? And I not get hung up on this whole idea of personal branding, but the fact is, is that, that buyers perceive you a certain way. And if you're not aware of what that is, and if you're not intentional about <laughs> trying to change it, if it needs to be changed or intentional about the perception you are creating in the mind of the buyer. Yeah, you're just a robot out following a script, blah, 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 blah. Sure, you'll win some, but you know, you'll never be operating at the level you need to operate. No, no. And it's it's a point too, you're essentially talking about marketing the sale the sales consultant, the salesperson, because you're finding out what's valuable and then putting that back out to the universe versus 
going, like you said, like just putting someone into a role, you're treating this as an asset and as a person, which I think is crucial. I think so yeah. many people, are, yeah, want people, a salesperson to promote their business, not themselves, don't they? Yeah. And the fact is that based on research that's out there, that more than half of the buying decision is based on the buyer's experience with the individual seller. So it's, it's, I said it's them and it's their human attributes. It's not how good a presentation that they do. It's, hey, did we connect? Did we form a connection? Did we build a level of credibility, level of trust? And having built that trust, then did I as a buyer feel comfortable opening up to you and answering some of these detailed questions you're asking that I'm just not going to answer for everybody, right? But I felt some trust and having felt that trust, you know, did I then feel like you dug deep and you really understood what was important to me? Yeah, that has nothing to do with conventional sales skills. That has to do with, did I build that connection that opened the door to the rest of it? So in the book, yeah, I talked about you're selling out or you're selling in. There's four pillars of selling in that I believe that as for sellers, your connection and your ability to, to help a buyer and win more orders is based on and four pillars are connection, curiosity, understanding, and generosity. And so, yeah, can you connect? Can you build that basic human connection, a little bit of rapport? I said, opens the door to credibility and trust, or then opens the door to your curiosity. Uh, if you're able to deploy your curiosity and the buyer trusts you and gives you the answers to questions, and you can really start understanding really what is most important to them and, and come to a deep understanding. Cause that one of the most frequently cited problems that the decision makers uh, have with, with salespeople, salespeople don't make an effort to understand their business, make a buyer feel understood. Oh, it's a huge differentiation. <laughs> Even these days you wouldn't think it would be, but it is. And then, you know, the generosity part is just how are you giving a value to help the buyer achieve what they want to achieve, the, the most important things? It's so nice to hear that because it's like that's what I tell people, you know, on our team and also when I coach other people, like they're asking about salespeople. I'm like the number one thing you have to do is just make sure every interaction you provide genuine value. And for me too, every time I get anxious about a sales call, I'm like I'm just going to go in and help this person as much as I can. And it's amazing how that shifts how that conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, in the book, I have a definition of value that salespeople should really shape their, their selling around, which is that every time you interact with a buyer, if the buyer as a result of that interaction is closer to making the decision than they were before the interaction, then it had value for them. But if you went in and consumed their time and attention and the result was they weren't closer to making the decision, then it didn't have value for them. So it's a really simple, simple metric. So if you're contemplating making a call, you know, pick up the phone and calling or getting a Zoom call with a prospect, you have to answer two questions in advance. What does the buyer need from me in this call in order to move closer to making a decision? And second question you have to answer is, and as a result of us giving them that thing of value, what steps will they commit to take next? So it's really simple. So if you're a sales manager and you're listening to this and you're going to go down somebody's forecast or their pipeline, you ask the salesperson every single 
one that they claim is a qualified opportunity. What does the buyer need from us now to move closer to making a decision? And two, what will they commit to do as a result of receiving this value from us? And if they can't answer the question, they're not ready to go talk to that customer. I love that. It's so simple, but it also requires thought. It does. It requires thought. And understanding. Yeah, it's simple, but not easy, right? Yeah, that's that's sales in a nutshell. My first boss told me that. Selling is simple, just not easy. I was listening to another podcast with Tom Hanks, and he was like, he said, they were like, well, how did you become this great actor? And he's like, it was it was simple. I just showed up and brought something to it. Mm. And and it, it, like and he was like, you amazed how many people don't show up, you know, show up hungover, whatever, don't show up their right. best, but also didn't have an idea of what they're gonna bring to this for this for this thing. Not about him. It was bringing to this. And I think it's the same thing, right? With the sales. It's like, what are you, it's exactly what you're saying. And I love it's being that. intentional. Being intentional. With each yeah, person. I mean, with with every interaction, right, is being intentional. And this is, unfortunately, not the way sellers are socialized. They're taught to be scripted and follow a playbook. And you're talking to someone who has this persona, and this is how they're going to react to every question you ask. And it's like, no, these are, these are frameworks. But instead, they're being, you know, set out as rigid processes when they really are frameworks within which people should operate. But as managers, you need to give people the freedom to go within those frameworks to experiment and be themselves. And it just makes the difference between somebody that's just sort of so-so and somebody that gets excited about waking up and going and talking to somebody and helping somebody. And that's exactly it. You go out, help someone, and, and, and they work it. And, you know, we've mentioned the book like a dozen times. So I make sure at, at this point, andypaul.com, you can get a link to Sell Without Selling. It's right when you get to there. Oh, so, selling uh, out, yes. Uh, yeah, sell, selling without selling out, sorry. Sell without selling out. I'm looking at it and couldn't read it. A guide to success on your own terms. And you can follow him on LinkedIn. I just want to put that right there. I want to keep going, but I, mm-hmm. this book seems so awesome. And I'm sure there's an audio book too for all of us that can't read. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you read the audio book or did you get someone else? I do. Nice. I mean, as a podcaster, who else would read your book? And so let's speak of the podcast. 1100 plus episodes. I felt good with my 400 episodes, but now I'm, I'm nowhere near 1100 plus episodes about sales. You've, I'm sure. Almost. 1085. 1085. By the time, yeah, most people read this, we'll be, we'll be near. What are some of the things that you've, the biggest things that you have learned doing your pod, your sales podcast? That's, that's a great question. I, I'm not sure there's any sort of individual things. I mean, one is, as you know, podcasts are just great vehicles for talking to smart people and continuing to learn. And so for me, that's, uh, I tell people, this is the most selfish thing I've ever done is having this podcast now for seven years is, yeah, I've talked to hundreds and hundreds of really smart people and continue to learn interesting things about the business we're in, about sales, marketing, you name it. So yeah, I don't know if there's necessarily one thing, it's just lots of things. And it keeps me current. Yeah, it keeps me on the leading edge, maybe, because I talk to people on the leading edge of things. So, yeah, if you're trying to, if you're in an industry and a business and you're trying to stay informed, then, yeah, certainly producing a podcast is one way to do that. And listening to podcasts as well is another great way to do it. And, yeah, I mean, it's, gosh, beyond that, 
there's just a lot of really interesting people out there. And it's, it sort of reinforces this whole idea, which I, I believe for a long time, but it's that there's no one path to success or happiness or fulfillment in life. And in your career is, as I said before, as, as many people as there are in the world, there are those many unique paths to, as I said, to career fulfillment, satisfaction, and happiness. Just find yours. That's really the important. Find yours. The things, you know, if you're in a situation that's not working for you, change, right? There's never been, it's not like, you know, 30, 40 years ago where people look down their noses at you if you change jobs every few years. Hell, I think that's just a statistic that said that I think in sales, Average salesperson will have 12 jobs by the time they're 48. 12 jobs. So that's like every two years, basically, almost from the time you graduate college. So, yeah, I mean, you can jump too quickly, but your ability to succeed is based as much on the situation you're in as much as your, your skills and the externals. So, yeah, I read online, yeah, People talk about uh, coaching other sellers to make seven figures. Yeah, great. But the great unspoken among that is that you have to be in the right situation to make that happen. And it's the context is everything. You know, I don't know if you follow sports at all, but you know, there's endless examples of professional athletes, whether it's football or basketball or soccer that I follow, you know, that are sort of people have high hopes for them, but they don't really do well on one team. And then they move to another team with a different coach and a different system, a different environment. And suddenly they're world beaters. They're all stars. It's the situation. So you have to put yourself into the right situation. And so if you feel like you've got potential and, and you feel like you're doing investing in yourself appropriately to become as good as you can become best version of yourself. And it's just not clicking. And maybe you're at odds with your manager about, you know, the detailed steps, of what you should be doing. Go somewhere else. Find a new place to bring your skills. And people will appreciate it and the manager that will support you the way you need to be supported. I agree. I, 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 that's fantastic advice. Uh, I think it's important. And, you know, I, I mean, that doesn't mean like tomorrow if it's not if it's not working, you have to be honest with yourself, right, that you're doing the work yeah. also. Like, I think there's a lot of people out there that are like, well, this person's not helping me. I'm like, well, are you really doing the work? But if you are then it's not the right place. And and that, that's nothing against you or the person. It's just, yeah. like you said, it's just, it's not clicking. It could be. Well, yeah. yeah. As I say in the book, is no one cares about you as much as you. No one cares about your success as much as you. No one cares about your career as much as you. So take ownership of it. So, you know, we, we have a lot of other business owners on here, right? That are, you know, either having problems hiring a salesperson or, you know, are stuck in sales or not happy with their sales. When you're in that type of situation, and I agree with you, step back and look at it. I mean, what would, what's your advice to those people? That, you know, I, they have a business. It's not like they can quit the business tomorrow. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, you have to do a little diagnosis, right? So multiple steps you can do. One is hire a consultant to help you, right? There's a lot of, good reputable sales consultants to get in that third party perspective can be very valuable, right? Cause we all sometimes get stuck for this. Can't see the forest for the trees syndrome. Um, alternatively is talk to your customers, talk to your, the people that bought from you, talk to the people who didn't buy from you and find out why, 
I mean, it's doesn't have to stay a mystery. Again, maybe not everybody will talk to you. Most people will if you ask nicely and say, look, I'm just trying to, we're trying to do a better job. We're trying so we can be more successful. I know we weren't able to help you. I'd really like to know why it wasn't a fit. And you're going to find, in the majority of cases, it's not about the product. It's not about the price. It's not about your features. It's about you or whoever was selling to them or the cumulative impact of your sales effort. It was you and other people within your organization that just they didn't find as valuable as the experience they had with a competitive vendor. I love it. Yeah, and it's so simple. It's amazing because we, you know, with the video case story process, we, we interview people's clients and customers, and and even just talking about their customers and their clients, it shifts the way people look at their business before they even chat with them. And then they're like, and then they interview them, and we get the interviews back, and they're like, I didn't know that, I didn't know that, I didn't know that, and we're so, like you said, we're so busy concerned about our, ourselves that we're not really listening to our customers, especially one. You know, I think once the sale is done, you know, the dotted line, we think our job mm. is done in the sales department and it's not. No. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah, well, that's problematic. And it's, it's, you know, software companies by and large have done a reasonably good job addressing that with the customer success function, which, you know, sits apart from, from sales that sort of takes the customer over once the order is signed not perfect, but it's, it's a system that sort of works. Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, you should, as I like to tell people is, you know, the first phone call you get after you sign the order is the first phone call for your next buying process with the, with the customer. And you have to think about it that way as you're, you're creating a further perception in the mind of the buyer. Oh, did they change once we gave them the order? Oh yeah. Well, that's your odds of renewing a contract at that point go way downhill. So yeah, selling never stops. Somebody once said, and I think it was a great quote, is, you know, function of a company is to acquire customers and retain customers. Free. Boy, it down. Very simple. It is. It's simple. But, it, you know, and I think we keep using the term selling, but I think reframing it the way you're talking about is getting in there and progressing and understanding what their problems are and providing solutions to their problems and continuously helping them. And you do that, and you know it, it, you can it, you can really have a business you love because you're helping people. I think that's yeah yeah. Well, a lot of what buyers want from sellers is to have the sellers help them better understand their problems, help them better understand the options for solving the problem. And yeah, you know, if you can do that, then yeah, you've got to step up compared to rails. That phrase right there, I I, I want to expand expand that better understand their problems because i think that mm -hmm. once again it's one of those simple little things that we could get back a lot of people don't really understand their problems do they no that's why they need to talk to salespeople. so i mean if again it's just for people to sort of think about it in very real terms is why do customers with all the information that's available out there why do customers need to talk to salespeople? and i think it's a need not a want because, yeah, no one wants to talk to salespeople. But, but they need to because, at least self-aware organizations know, is they know that they don't know the questions they should be asking themselves to more fully understand 
the challenges they're facing? Is it something common with other companies? Other companies have faced it. Are we alone? Ours is unique. You know, how should we be thinking about this? And what are the potential outcomes we could achieve by addressing it? You know, in terms of our business and growth or, or profitability or whatever. Yeah, like I said, the self-aware organizations know they need experts, which are salespeople or the companies they work for, to come in and help them and do that. Just, you know, ask the right questions so the buyer thinks about it. Right? Well, we hadn't thought about that. You know, one of the great things that a buyer could say to you is when you're just a salesperson, oh, we hadn't thought about that. How does that work? Right? It's And the more you sort of get that response from, from buyers, the better. So in my book, Under the pillar of curiosity. I've got six question types that people should consider incorporating into their sort of daily routine that, that help them trigger thinking on the part of the buyer, which is what you want. And can you give me a few of those question types? <laughs> sure. Well, one is, yeah, one is I call an impact question. So you're just asking the buyer to quantify the impact of making a change in a certain thing or making a change by this decision or the impact of not making a change. So, and give people a framework for how to ask them, you know, as you start sort of at the top level, would the impact be on the company if you made this investment? And we say, what's the impact? It's just like forcing people to think about it in real terms, to quantify it, right? It's not, well, we get better. <laughs> it's like, well, what would that mean in terms of increased revenue? What would that mean in terms of increased profitability? What would that mean in terms of unit cost? Or whatever that, that dimension is, is you're triggering, triggering people to think in very real terms of what the impact would be. Another one is, is uh, you know, I call an insight question, which is you know how other customers are using your products and services. You know the value they're getting from their investment in your product and services. So you put together a question that, is one that the buyer reasonably should know about their business, but probably don't because it's based on the learnings you've had from your customers. So, you know, in my case, as a sales consultant, for instance, you know, I'll, I'll ask CEOs oftentimes, you know, well, how many, how many hours of selling time does it take to move a deal from initial point of contact to a close? They should know that they don't, but it's, it always, Insight questions always trigger a conversation. Oh, I don't know. Is that important? Yeah, it's important. Let's talk about that. So you're sort of challenging the buyer's knowledge. So just a couple examples. Oh, those are great. And the rest of them are in the book. So we'll put a link to the book in the show notes. And tell me more. And obviously you're on LinkedIn. You got a lot going on LinkedIn. You put some great posts out there. We'll put a link to that. Tell me more about mm -hmm. working with you. If someone wants to work with Andy Paul. Yeah, just contact me. And via LinkedIn is probably the easiest. Or you can use my email, andy at andypaul.com. And um, yeah, I do coaching for executives. I do coaching for really high-end individual, individual sellers. We're rolling out some digital courses here shortly. And of course, yeah, travel around the country. Starting to travel more now, again, uh, speaking in various, uh, various venues for, for companies. So it's sort of nice to be out in person again. Love it. Love it. Awesome. We'll put a link to all that. Glad you're out. And uh, we'll put a link to the podcast. You guys should binge on all 1,100 or 10, uh, 1,085 episodes. 
Yeah, that'd be, that'd be, that'd be quite the binge. Uh, <laughs> roughly, I think we figured out about 750 hours. Dr. Andy, thank you so much for being on the Garlic Marketing Show. <laughs> Thanks, Ian. Uh, and thank you all for taking Dr. Andy, Paul, and I on your journey. It's been Ian Garlic and the Garlic Marketing Show. Video. You know it'll make you an authority. You know it will get you more leads, better leads that close faster and spend more with you. And video stories will help you be remembered and connect with those perfect clients. The problem is, where do you start? Storycruise.com is the place to go. It's like a film crew with an S. What's your strategy? Do you do it yourself? Do you hire a videographer? An agency? Do you need an editor? How do you know if they really know your business and how to make videos for business that work? The answer to all of this and more can be found at storycruise.com. It is the place to find the latest video marketing strategies, the best gear for your business, as well as videographers, editors, and agencies near you that are trained in video storytelling for business. Go to storycruise.com slash garlic to get special insider info for listeners of the Garlic Marketing Show, including special access to several of my courses, including my case story course. Go to storycruise.com slash garlic to get a whole bunch of special offers just for listeners of the Garlic Marketing Show. Whether you're looking for a videographer or to do it yourself, Go to storycruise.com slash garlic to get started today. That's it for the Garlic Marketing Show. If you want to get the inside scoop and the latest techniques, make sure to follow Ian Garlic on Facebook.